go and see the plug, what's the hell? Why let it go for the low, what's the hell? What's your favorite radio show, what's the hell? What's your favorite radio show, what's the hell? Okay, listen to that boy on radio, you get the bottom eyes. If it didn't drop, night show, apologize. K1, the Sean Beasley on the rise. Thursday, 8 p.m., when it's time to ride. No Spotify, I will never compromise. Get the tune in app, that's the power line. What a ice radio, the bottom line. Tune in, stick to it like an alibi. K1, a good money, that's the dollar sign. Sean Beasley, get a bird, then it's finalized. If it's all about a name, what else can I say? Find out what's poppin' when you drop it by. You gotta go and see the plug, it's the hell. Why you let it go for the low, what's the hell? What's your favorite radio show, what's the hell? What's your favorite radio show, what's the hell? Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the Drop Night Show. I am your girl, Kay Wonder, and I got my co-host, Sean Beasley, here with me. And we have the lovely ladies, the authors of the book that it will be dropping soon this summer um, called Generational Survivors. And it's a book of five women who detail how they uh, basically overcame child abuse, rape, and just really tragic um, things that happened at an early age for you all that you were exposed to. And we are so proud to have you guys here and thank you for coming to the Drop Night Show. To they tell drove us about a long story. way. Thank, thank, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. Such beautiful women, strong, beautiful black women we have here. So we're going to jump right into it. I mean, this book um, details a lot of horrific things that, you know, children shouldn't have been exposed but to. But before we get into that, Go ahead. how did this book come about how did y'all even meet each other mm -hmm. so um i'm Sodia white i am the compiler of generation of survivors and i that came to term it was something that god downloaded into me mm -hmm. um i woke up one morning and i was thinking about all the things that had occurred in my life mm -hmm. and that generational because my mom was abused mm -hmm. and I watched her being abused and then her abuser molested me mm -hmm. so I started thinking about the generational line mm -hmm. of how this affects people generationally yeah and I overcame that I became a police officer mm -hmm. yeah I became a police officer so that I can save lives and I wouldn't be a victim but I would become more of the hero yes. in the situation yes. and that's what allowed me to move forward and I still suffer from a lot of deep things and mm -hmm. deep depressions and the trauma was very current, very apparent, but however, I was able to move forward even with that. Mm -hmm. And once I, once I found that term, generational survivors, I said, well, you know what? There has to be more of us out here. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I knew of these ladies, but I didn't know they were generational survivors. Wow. I knew them from different aspects of my life through business because all of these beautiful ladies are business entrepreneurs, all okay. of them. Mm -hmm. Even the ones that have the nine to fivers, and I'll let them explain their situation. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that's how we all came to meet, was mm -hmm. me as the compiler bringing everyone together. And it was just beautiful to know that there are a whole lot of generational survivors. Bill Clinton is a generational survivor. He, he don't really talk about it. And he, doesn't. <clears throat> he doesn't. Mm -hmm. okay. He doesn't. He um, doesn't. Terry Crews mm -hmm. is a generational survivor. Okay. Okay. Jada Pinkett, mm -hmm. generational survivor. These are just, these are the celebs. Mm -hmm. So imagine how many of us who are just on the normal, normal. facet of life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to speak towards. The regular people on the everyday. We don't have a R. Kelly attached to our stories. Mm -hmm. We are regular women who have those type of pains mm -hmm. and and we had to overcome those triumphs as well. Mm -hmm. right. So we are here to tell our story without all of the fame and the glitz and the glamour because that's not what we have. Mm -hmm. That's not what we had to endure. Right. This is real. This right. is this real. Is real. real. Yeah. Right. You know, we can't yeah. make a dollar off of R. Kelly's name mm -hmm. or off right. of Bill Cosby's mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. not what's going to happen with us. Mm -hmm. We are regular women right. on an everyday walk of life. Mm -hmm. We have jobs. We have children. We don't have anything attaching us to a fame story. Right. So thank you for interviewing us oh, and taking no our stories seriously because it matters. It does. Generational it does. survivors matter. It does. It does. It does. And that, that's who we are. Yes. We're the first yes. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, it seems like it's, 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 um, it's could be a painful thing to talk about, but therapeutic at the same time. Right. Um, so, Gloria, Gloria, I would love to talk to you more about your 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 um, story. Move that mic over. Yes. Um, so, tell, just tell our listeners and viewers, like, just a little synopsis of what your um, passages in the book or what your. Well, my chapter in the book is called "Casualties of War." Okay. Um, so I am from Panama. 
And so when I came to this country, I was about six years old. Okay. And so my abuse started um, a couple years later after my stepfather went to Vietnam and came back home, Mm -hmm. which is why it's titled Casualty of War. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, we endured a lot of abuse Mm -hmm. due to that. And uh, there was physical abuse and sexual abuse. Mm. Which led to a lot of other things in my life. (laughs) Right. So he, um, through his trauma that he had, he kind of just pushed it on to the the rest of you all. Mm. Yes. And was your mom... Abused as well. As well? Yes. Okay. So she couldn't really protect you because she was... She was going through... Yeah, she was... Um, dealing with because she this is her first time coming into this country right. mm-hmm. her family, family and then the shock of it all mm-hmm. um, just not knowing what to do where to go and where to you know for help right and so I, back then I mean like every every other family that have abuse you keep that in the, in home, the home and yeah. you don't tell anybody mm-hmm. you don't share it, share with it people right and let people know this is what's happening we don't you know? go to therapy we like the white no. people right. call mm-hmm. people so we keep to, that yeah Maybe so where did that go ahead yeah true <laughs> right, right, right. mainly because you can't, can't afford, afford it, it right. it's 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 a it's taboo within the african-american culture mm. um you know and for many of us we grew up what happens in home stays in home mm-hmm. and when you Facts. bring that outside of the home it's almost like you bring shame onto your family mm-hmm. so for many african-american families we don't talk about certain abuse that happens inside the home because we don't want to bring shame, shame into to the family yeah. not knowing that we carry that shame with us into our adulthood and even into our relationships and a lot of times we don't realize that we attach that shame even onto the children that we have later on. Mm. So it's a generational cycle that continues to go um, and we never find a way to break it. But we wonder why do why do our children act the way they do? Or, right. you know, why am I in my 30s or 40s, 50s or 60s and I still feel like I don't have my purpose? Mm. Or I feel like there's something about me that is off. I always feel like an outsider. And a lot of that has to deal with that you never dealt with the trauma that happened to you when you were younger. Correct. Correct. So where are you finding the strength to wanting to tell your story? Because that can be a lot for a female to really tell her story without support. Why now tell the story? So I think for me, I'm a medical provider. Mm-hmm. And as a medical provider, I Tell come across... Tell me your name. Sorry, we just... So I'm Dr. Charlene Dr. Rainey Char- Bell. Okay. Um, Make sure you put a doctor, doctor in front of that. Okay. Or you could just call me Charlene like everybody <laughs> else does. But I think the biggest thing about telling the story... It's not as if, and I can just speak for myself, it's not like I've never told my story. I've mm-hmm. always told my story. It's just that the adults in my life fail to listen. Okay. And a lot of times people tell their story, mm-hmm. but the adults in your life fail to listen or they fail to believe you. Um, mm-hmm. So, and it doesn't just happen with women. You hear a lot of women coming out about their sexual trauma, but there are a lot of men who are ashamed of the sexual trauma that has happened to them because they feel that the sexual trauma has emasculated them. So they mm-hmm. won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But you have these same emasculated men that get in relationships with women and then dog them out. And then women are now suffering from these emasculated men who have mm-hmm. not been healed from issues that they had when they were six and seven years old. Right. So I think for me personally, the main reason why I felt that it was time to put it in writing mm-hmm. versus the just putting you know just saying it is the bible says write the vision and make it plain oh okay and when there's something powerful about putting things on paper mm-hmm. and for some people it makes it more real yes mm. you know you can tell a story a thousand ways and it can change but once it's put on paper it doesn't change right it's right there in black and white it's real it's real and i think for many women and men who are out there that suffer from sexual trauma or abusive relationships it's now time for them to be able to own their story and Mm -hmm. not feel ashamed of it Mm -hmm. i mean for my story i felt me i grew up in the bronx a little uh, a young girl from the bronx i was i felt it took me a while to grow into my looks okay because i wasn't this hot Okay. Okay. Took me a while to get this fine. But I grew up insecure. You know, my mom and my dad wasn't in my life. So I grew up feeling really insecure. And I yearned for that attention of love. Mm -hmm. Right. And I wind up getting that from 
what we call a cousin. Every black person got a cousin, okay? Right. Whether they're really related or not. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, after this, now Sean, now Sean you my cousin after right. the you right. know, segment. Right. You know, and I wind up falling into the trap because I was insecure of needing to be needed. Yeah. And a lot of times when you need to be needed, you'll do anything, anything. to be needed. Right. And sometimes you'll fall subject to that and you carry those burdens into your adulthood, into your relationships, mm -hmm. into working relationships. It doesn't only have to be sexual. Right. It follows you even into working relationships. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important right now for us to be able to speak about our truths, um, help those, give voice to those that are voiceless, mm -hmm. and try to remove the shame behind it because mm. a lot of it is a lot of times we feel like it's our fault why yes. the trauma mm -hmm. happened you know it's because of us but yeah. majority of the time we were innocent bystanders and we really didn't have any help at the mm. time yeah. so it, I it know amazes me because when I don't feel like kids have these protectors and when you have school systems they don't allow these kind of people like y'all into the school to tell these stories because I feel like when kids feel like they can come to someone with that same story, mm -hmm. that's an entry to comfortability with them to tell the story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Shame on the public school system. But no, that, it's but that, not. Oh, hold the mic to it. For what you said, mm -hmm. uh, like I, um, last year I walked into one of my kids' school mm -hmm. and I asked the principal director or uh, the assistant principal mm -hmm. that since I'm a mentor and a coach, I would love to mentor the girls, which uh, she accepted as a black woman and know how we've been dealing with the silence within us. And she's like, okay, let's do it. Then she spoke with the rest of the teachers, which we did the girls mentoring group. Mm -hmm. And the whole year we did it. It was good, but it, it wasn't what I was expecting. Right. To expecting? Talk because you only can talk about certain things to the elementary right. kids. Mm -hmm. And the, everything will start from the middle school to the high school. Okay. okay. So now it's up to us to approach them right. and say, okay, we have this movement going mm -hmm. and we know it's it's going a lot yeah and we have to break it but the younger generations now we have to prepare them mm -hmm. for the future and how to conduct right. and yeah. know that okay they have power to so don't keep those silent or abuse mm -hmm. within them inside them we have to and it's gonna be our responsibility to walk to those schools if you don't go they're not gonna invite you to come. right but you know so. that that is the reason for generational survivors the movement mm because that is a plight mm -hmm. where they can actually sit down with us and tell their story, mm -hmm. feel comfortable, because maybe in the school zone, they're not comfortable. Right. So Generational Survivors is a movement, and we will have live platforms to bring in our youth so that we can teach them how to speak. See, I didn't know how to tell. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to tell because my abusers told me, I, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill mm -hmm. your mother if you speak about it. So I didn't know how to tell my story. And when I did tell my story because it was years later mm -hmm. they didn't believe me did you know? any of you women seek justice from your well from the abuse after the fact or I was it already known i did not me i, I had a justice um from a, my dad my i'm like a part of a royal family okay. and um when it happened i was pregnant okay. Mm. And they moved me out of the village being so young at age of 14. Mm. And um, they locked him up. Okay. They locked him up uh, because he was so violent, telling my family how dirty I am. What can he do with a girl dirty, ugly like me? Then Whoa. to prove it to the family, he went and impregnated another woman. Wow. Yes. Wow. Same month. So, which was like a, um, a slap on the face to the family. Mm. And for me to come out this way to speak today, I know it's gonna bring so many storm and, but I don't care anymore. It is time. Mm -hmm. From Africa, we don't believe in stuff like that. And we don't know the anger that we were mm -hmm. building. Right. And sometimes you may react without knowing that, okay, 
maybe that what I've endured or I'm keeping inside myself is making me react the way I am. Right. And um, I'm so happy of the way I come out, not for me, mm-hmm. but for my daughter as well. Okay. Even though she, I never say anything to her about what I went through, mm-hmm. the trauma, the abuse, about the people that are supposed to protect me. You. Right. Instead of questioning and no, mm-hmm. they abused me more. Mm-hmm. Yes. True. Wow, ladies, we need to take a break right now. Um, <laughs> This is a lot to process, but it's it's definitely good because it had, like I said, we got to get it out there. We have to right. We have to have these dialogues. There are so many people affected, and then we could talk about United States generational survivors because we had our, you know, our ancestors are were slaves and mm-hmm. were abused mm-hmm. right in front of our faces, you know. And then we can speak on an African, you know, mm-hmm. level that Wakanda. you know where the girls were being taken away from their village mm-hmm. and stolen, being so raped. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's definitely a lot we can talk about, and we will get more into it when we come back from yeah. this break. Um, let's get into the break right now, and uh, we'll go to a song. Um, so it's the Drop Night Show on Water Ice Radio. We'll be right back. Yeah, see that. Yeah. It's the Drop Night Show. We are back with yeah. authors of Generational Survivor, the book. Um, we are basically having a very in-depth and informative um, you know, conversation about... Um, child abuse, rape, trauma, and those things, and how, um, you know, talking about it and, and, and telling your story it not only helps others, but yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, right. What Dr. Charlene was was definitely talking about earlier. Um, right now, we want to talk to Brandy. What was the chapter, uh, your name of your chapter, Brandy? I am not my past. I am who I am because of my past. Mm-hmm. And I shared my story because um, I've been started at age of four. And then it went all up until my teenage years and everything. Then I went into a marriage mm-hmm. with it and everything. And then I also shared it because I wanted, because I had two kids by the time I was out of high school. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay because of decisions I made, looking for love in all the wrong places and because I had daddy issues. Right. I shared it because I wanted teen, teen moms to know that just because you had a baby, does not define who your present is or your future. And also to let them know that they can make it out here. They don't have to be a welfare recipient a welfare recipient, or they don't have to drop out of high school. None of that, you know, right. that they can, they have choices and you, and you can't be anything, you know, you just got to make up your mind. Yes. Believe. Yeah. Right. So. Persevere. Mm. Did anyone find it difficult and maybe want to back out? From telling their story I when did. you were in the process, you did. I, did. I think we all probably felt that we way. Did. I, I didn't feel that way. I did. I did. So, Gloria, why did you feel that way? I wanted to back out when it came to the shows. Okay. Ah. Oh. So I was like, oh wow, it's really getting ready to go Not on that level. Right. Yeah. yeah. And this is real. <laughs> yeah. But I'm. I, I even started experiencing anxiety. Mm. Okay. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, not but, be, but before, okay. but yeah, I had a little bit coming, but I'm good. <laughs> That's natural, <laughs> but um, yeah, I even yeah. started experiencing anxiety and even had thought of calling and say, you know what, just pull my story. <laughs> but um, I'm here. Well, thank you, thank, thank you, you for here. facing your fears yeah. all the way around and being here. Thank yes, you for so the much. healing of my yeah. siblings as well. So I'm here. Yes, yeah. I think we had talked about this earlier about you know all of our abusers, and I think out of all of our abusers, Brandy's and my abuser is still alive. Okay. So, so right. Okay. So, mine might be. Right. I think for for me, you know, I know where my abuser lives. Mm. Do you want to go kill him? Of course not. I told her to. And and I no, but, and you know, the, wait, give her the mic. Wait, what you say? No. You needed some voodoo. I just no, no voodoo. Voodoo is too far. No. And this is why, this is why, and, and, and this is why, because when you hold on to that type of pain and anger and fear, mm-hmm. you give more power to it. Yes. And what I had to learn was, one, to forgive myself mm-hmm. of not feeling shameful and dirty and disgusting because mm-hmm. of what happened right. to me. 
Um, it was only truly by the grace of God and my faith that I was able to be able to heal from it. Mm -hmm. And there's times where you go through abusive situations or you go through situations that you may feel a traumatic and harsh and you ask God as to why, 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 why did I go through this? Right, right. But I learned that all things work to the good. good. All things work together for glory of God. Mm -hmm. And through the trauma that I went through, I was able to help other people. Mm -hmm. If I didn't go through the trauma, I wouldn't have been with these ladies. Right. I wouldn't be here with you all. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to help to give voice to the voiceless. Mm -hmm. So when I think about, do I want to hurt him or anything like that? No, I wish him well. I ask that God save his soul. I ask that God continue to shower blessings on him, that whatever demons that he's dealing with, that God helps him with it. Because my blessing ain't going to stop just because what oh, he did. Amen. And it doesn't yeah. define who I am. I'm successful. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, right, I mean, right, right. I don't know That's what he's what doing, but I know I'm living good. That's what <laughs> a generational survivor is. So we don't let our past define or dictate where we're going and who we are. Mm -hmm. We have moved past that. Even if we hurt on a day-to-day -day basis, even if we're still going through the healing process, it's a way to go through. Right. You understand what I'm saying? And also be an impact to the communities out right. there that need to hear you Correct. and need to hear your story. Mm -hmm. right. Because though you're going through, there's someone out there that you're gonna touch mm -hmm. with your message, with, mm -hmm. your, with the trauma that you suffered, the abuse that you suffered. Mm -hmm. Someone out there needs to hear your story. Mm -hmm. Someone needs to hear one of our stories. Correct. One of our stories may not impact everyone, but it's gonna touch but one. It's gonna touch right. one. Correct. Somebody's gonna need it to heal like mm -hmm. and to move forward. Yeah. And for me, I had to forgive my abuser mm -hmm. first. Right. Before was that the I hardest? Did, that, that was, was the hardest thing. And what I did was I wrote a letter to him. Oh. Never was mailed because I don't know where he is. Okay. And all I had, I had to forgive him first to move past. Mm -hmm. And I had to forgive my mother mm -hmm. because yeah. my mother didn't believe Leave me, me. Mm -hmm. when I told her that the abuse happened. And that's what I was going to ask. Did For those whose parents were, you might have came and told them, did, did it? Did you, for instance, have a, a strained relationship with your mother after that? You know. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was a, I was a chronic runaway. Like yes. I ran away constantly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, a, after while the abuse was happening, I was going through some mental and emotional mm -hmm. distress. B, when she ran away, because he was abusing her. Mm -hmm. So when we ran away to California to get away from him. My mother turned around and told him where we were and then allowed him to see me without her being present. Ooh. And see, that's something for me, I can say that um, I had once hated my mother mm. and I had a deep hate because she didn't believe what I said. Same. And then she allowed me to go back to the hands of the abuser. He sat me in the middle of a hotel room, a dark room, me in the middle, and the room was dark and he circled me. And I didn't know what was gonna happen. And all I can remember is this man's gonna kill me. And my mother's not gonna know where my body is. Mm. He didn't, obviously I'm here. But the fact is, when you look to your parents, when you look to your parents, you look to your parents as your protectors, protectors. And, providers. Right. and your providers. Mm -hmm. And for me as a mother, I couldn't understand how my mother mm. could allow that to happen. But then I had to go deep, y'all. Because she had substance abuse it. and all that? She issues. had abuse. Her abuse went deep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when you think of it, she was a teenage mom. Mm -hmm. She was a teenage mom. Mm -hmm. She grew up in a home. She didn't really have the guidance because my grandmother, her mother was a substance abuser, mm. methadone user. Mm. So look at the generational. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's a pattern mm. there. Correct. Mm -hmm. So I had to forgive my abuser and I had to forgive my mother. Then I can forgive myself because I had to realize this wasn't my fault. Right. It happened, but it wasn't my fault. I picked up some triggers from this, but I can get past this. Mm. My relationship with God that saved me. That was my saving's grace. Mm. Because without God, you don't know enough. I don't know what would have happened. happened right. right. There's so much psychological warfare that happens when trauma happens. Yeah. Right. And especially when it happens um, in the home. Mm -hmm. So it's it's different when it's someone that you don't know. Okay. Mm. But when it's someone that's close to you, I'm not saying that it doesn't take the blow out of it. 
but it hurts a little deeper. Mm -hmm. And it hurts because this is someone that has seen your everyday movements. Mm -hmm. So it's like a predator. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So in my instance, my cousin watched me every day of my life that I lived in the house. Mm -hmm. Knew when I woke up, knew when I went to sleep, knew how what I liked to eat, knew the kind of candy that I liked, mm -hmm. the kind of music that I liked. So I was an easy target. And to know that people prey on you like that, mm -hmm. to know that you're an easy target, it, it's demented in some ways. Yeah. Yes. And the bad part um, about it is that so many people, young people are getting preyed upon in homes. So a lot of times a high percentage of rapes and traumas happen from people that know you. Yes. Right. They know what you like. They know how you like it. So they take it they use that against you. Mm -hmm. And at times you feel like, oh my goodness, because I like this so right. much, mm -hmm. you know, this is why it happened to me. So I must have warranted to happen right, right, right. because I liked it. So I think it's important to first know the predators that live in your home and be open and honest about that. When you have that uncle that you know is handsy and likes to drink, okay. you ain't got to invite him right, over for Thanksgiving. Right. It's okay to let him stay at his own house. Drink, but even if he don't like to drink, but he's handsy, let him stay at his own house. Mm -hmm. You don't have to spend Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. you know. Or when you notice that your daughter, you're like, oh, go give uncle such and such a hug. And she cringes a little bit. And you want, as parents, you always want your children to be polite. Like, yeah. right. like say hi. Can't say hi. If my daughter don't say hi, don't be mad. She ain't want to say hi. There's her, that's her, there's, <laughs> there's a, a reason. reason. Right. It's come to call the spirit of discernment. Okay. There is a reason, okay? Yes. Yes. It's a Facts. gift of discernment, okay? There's a gift, and there's also something called a spirit of discernment. Mm -hmm. She discerns something about you, and she ain't want to say she hi. Yeah, that feeling. All right? Right. right? But we all have that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And sometimes we just ignore that ignore gut it. feeling mm -hmm. because we're like, oh, we don't want to be rude. If I don't get a, if I get a feeling off of you, unfortunately, I'm just going to have to stay away from you. Mm -hmm. right. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of times, young kids especially, they have that. They have that keen, keen sense. sense. But as adults, we're like, no, don't. Go ahead, go say hi. Sit on Uncle Joe's lap. You better get off Uncle Joe's lap. <laughs> and I say that when kids, when you get kids and they always crying. You're like, why are you crying? They're not doing nothing. It's a reason why. They something. Right. They might sense something. And that's what I was telling some of the parents that I have met with through... Um, some of the work that I've done in the community, mm -hmm. what I often tell them is, we have to get away from telling our children, go give Uncle Joey a hug or go give, go hug them. Don't, if they don't want to hug them, don't force, force them, them. Mm -hmm. to go to them. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the kids, we, a lot of times we set our children up. Mm. We, we don't even know it. And don't no, even no. know it. Okay. You know, because we're pushing them towards the individual. And like, like Charlene mm -hmm. said, the predators, Normalize, they normally start right there in the home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Uncle Joey may not, like I was, what, what I was trying to say was, he may not be uh, alcoholic. alcoholic. He may be Dr. Mr. Friendly, coming with the money. He done gave Sugar Mama a car. You know, then brought the aunt down the street a house. So everyone loves Uncle. Right, paid the mortgage, the rent. Mm. Everyone loves him. Uncle. Yeah. So how could he be the one? Those are the ones that... He masked it. He, he masked it. Master manipulator. He knows how to mask. And she, because they are she, she too. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask situation. you that. Were there any women that molested you? Or were they all men? They were all men. Okay. For me, mm -hmm. all men. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, because there, no, there yeah. are. There some are people, women out there who, you know. How hard is it do? Like, all y'all have kids, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. How hard is it? to not tell them or the ones who have told their kids how hard is it or how it is hard yeah. it has is everyone hard. told their child they all know obviously my, with the book coming out no my, yeah, my son. okay go ahead oh, no um, actually my I, part of my story came out a couple years ago okay um, so I wrote because I was trying to do a go, go fund me for one of my events okay. okay and I wrote my story I sent it to my sister, my brother, my son to read it. Mm -hmm. And then I said, nope, I'm not going to post my story. Oh, wow. mm. And my son posted my story. Wow. And I cried. <laughs> I cried. What was that film? Why did you cry? Because, because he, he believed his mother. He, 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 mm. tr 
He loved his. He loves he me. Support you. And he yes, he truly wanted to support, support me. You. And yeah. that was so huge for me. How old was he at that moment? He was. He's 37 now. So he was about 32, 33. Okay. Mm. And, and, and Sandra, I mean, yeah, Sandra. Yeah, I told uh, when I was writing my story to send to uh, the generation of survivor. It was my daughter. I was narrating, mm-hmm. and she was typing. Oh. Even though I'm a writer, but each time I'm writing my story from the beginning, oh. I always cry. Yeah. Then um, I, I was doing her head that morning, and I said, Ronisha, go get my laptop. And then I started narrating, and in the middle, I started crying. That's when I saw that the love that my daughter had changed mm. because she was the she was the only person that knew everything mm. not even her sister mm-hmm. and uh come to a point she was lost she don't even know what to write anymore yeah and i saw that she breathed <sighs> then she she closed the laptop and i couldn't do her hair anymore because i was crying because it's sad, yes, but yeah. at the same time, a big release because I let it out. Mm-hmm. A long time I wanted to do it, but only way I was doing it is to write it. Mm-hmm. But to speak it to someone, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I'm waiting on the right time to sit all my five kids down. And tell them. And, and tell just them. speak about my beginning what I have endured. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I say to myself today, Dad. And I say, I'm going to send the message, uh, message across the world. If you are a living parent, never ever give your children to anyone. Mm-hmm. Because they're never going to be the first person to have an attention if the person have kids. Mm-hmm. And it's something we African we do a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm here, I never know how receiving love from biological parents feels like. And I always embrace my children right i never want them to let them let go yeah because when they're going is the person how are they going to take care of them yeah. it took me years my daughter even though she graduated i still wanted to go to college i said you can because yeah. she, she, she don't want her know why you didn't want to let her go and, right. I, and she always say mom i have she have a one friend she wanted to go for sleepover i never knew what is sleepover so it's like <laughs> if i let them go the yeah. same thing that happened to me right. will happen right. to my children yeah. so i never let them go anyway right so it's something we have to continue talking and please if you are a parent out there Mm. I never knew, never knew how it feels like. And it's something I'm missing till today. I always want someone, to, when my mom was here, because we didn't have that connection right. Right. from the beginning, mm-hmm. it was hard. Mm-hmm. Because I was like a stranger to my own mom. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, we're going to take a break right now, ladies. Uh, I'm getting over here crying. Don't so. cry. <laughs> it's... um. Again, like um, your the strength in all of you. Like you look at your faces, you would never think, never, never think never. that you know. You Beautiful all black woman. This, this, you know, you're a doctor. You know, you're like at the, the the pinnacle of like what society would call. And you just never know someone's story, story. until they tell, tell it. it. So mm-hmm. for. I can't wait for this book to come out. All right, so we're going to get to a break right now. It's a drop night show with our Ice Radio. We have generational survivor authors in the building, and we will be back. Yeah. It's a drop night show with your girl K Wonder, yeah. Sean Beasley, and we are missing Mara D. I forgot to mention our other co-host, and I wish she was here. She would have loved this she's one. She's from Virginia. Oh. She, you know, She's definitely um, from you, you all's you know hometown or area where you live now but she would definitely love this this mm-hmm. is a great interview we want to thank you guys again for coming here and sharing all your story. this story how Appreciate many pages it. are in the book how uh, do you do you so get- it's approximately about 60 65 page okay. book how long did it take and for you all to compile it together it a day. Long. <laughs> she said a day <laughs> 
so over a month, less than a month. So it took me probably the longest, and they don't know this, <laughs> as the compiler. And um, I was just trying to find a way to bring generational survivors mm -hmm. out to convey it. And I really didn't go detail, detail, but I wanted them to go really detailed okay. within their story. But it did take me a while. But because we have a consultant, we have a clinical trauma abuse consultant, mm -hmm. which is attached to our anthology. Okay. Her name is Dr. Sarah um, w Tolliver oh, Williams. Do. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And she is the founder of Clinical uh, Covenant Clinical Way. Okay. So she is a true doctor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what she has done is she's consulted behind each one of our chapters. Mm, okay. okay. So she and breaks she, it down. She breaks it down. Okay. And mm. she's also interviewed each one of us. And again, but they well, they do know this. I was the last one to be interviewed. Mm. The very last one. Why? It was hard. So for me, because my mother never believed my story, mm -hmm. I always went forward as not wanting to be a victim. Mm -hmm. I never knew what it felt like to be a victim because I didn't have anyone to believe mm. that it really happened to me. Mm -hmm. So although I told the detectives, because this was after I ran away, I had ran away for a three-week span, and they brought my father in from uh, Virginia. He was in the military. Mm -hmm. They brought him up. And when I told the detectives and my dad what happened, my stepfather happened to be there, but that was not the one who abused me. My mom was now married to a really good man. Okay. My stepfather was a really good man. And my dad's eyes were enraged and he was getting ready to go and do Grab some that damage. Guy. But I had to let them know it was not my stepfather, okay. not my current stepfather. It was a gentleman from her past. And my mom, she said I was trying to seek attention. So with that being said, I never felt like a victim. Mm -hmm. I always felt like I had to go and save someone. So that's why I became a police officer. And I, from this day forward, I felt like I had to cater. I'm retired now. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I had to cater. So the victim, and I found this out by talking to Dr. Sarah, that because I never felt like a victim and I had to hold everything together mm -hmm. and I had to feel like I was a hero, hero. Mm -hmm. and that's how I moved forward. So I never really had time to grieve as a victim mm -hmm. because I never felt that that type of plight. So no when you got to that, that point, how did you feel? Oh, I broke down. Mm -hmm. When when she broke it down with me, and this is she's a girlfriend of mine first and foremost, so I didn't think I would be able to open up to her. But she has such a way. She's awesome with, with what she does. Mm -hmm. And that is the reason why we wanted her to be attached to this book. Because we want other survivors to have, if they need help, we have someone. If you can't go to someone, we have someone. Mm -hmm. We have two doctors on board. <laughs> we got Dr. Bell. We have Dr. Tolliver Williams. And... I think that was very clever. Phenomenal. To have the breakdown so people who don't know that they're going through it through seeing your stories and mm -hmm. then getting the clinical diagnosis would know that they, exactly. hey, that is me. Okay. Yeah. And in her... Something? Go ahead, yeah. please. Uh, like Sadia said, uh, she never felt as a victim. victim. Yes, I do. I do feel like that from the beginning. I felt it. But it's difficult. In the middle when you kept pushing... Like, uh, I'm still going through abuse right now. And I try to forget about what I was going through every day mm -hmm. just to try to work out. Mm -hmm. But when you come home, you're still living in it. Mm -hmm. Until yeah. you say enough is enough, enough and you break it, mm -hmm. then you're going to be a free person Correct. to face the world and to smile. And the anger, if you, you always feel that, still... Mm -hmm. The anger is inside. Yes. Yeah. For me, uh, I'm sorry. For me, I didn't. It wasn't that I felt like a victim. Um, I threw myself into work and became an overachiever on purpose. Mm -hmm. So, you know, growing up in the Bronx, I grew up being told that I wasn't going to be nothing. You're going to be just like your mother. I grew up in the crack era in the 80s. There was blue tops, red tops, green tops, yellow tops, every top. Mm -hmm. Okay. And. Growing up, nobody really became anything. You came, you became one of two things. You either, you know, became a baby mother 
or you know what I mean, a welfare recipient. You got yourself a nice Section 8 apartment. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Got on some food stamps. Got a few baby daddies. You know what I'm saying? Collect a little bit of child support. Boom. So Newport's out your apartment. You were good. <laughs> you good. That was like literally. That was like yeah. the goal. Okay. Right. You know what I'm saying? Get with a get with a drug dealer, and then you know you're good. Mm-hmm. And for me, I never wanted that. I always knew that there was something about me that was that was more, more you know, re- regardless how it was. I knew there was more to my life. So I threw myself into work. So I joined the Navy. Mm. I traveled all over the world. I got my degrees. I got five degrees. I kept and, and this is this is one thing I want to hone in on. So most people, you know what I'm saying? You know, after you get your first degree, you should be OK. Right. You know, you should feel accomplished after <laughs> right. that. But there was still something inside of me. At the time, I did not know what it was, but there was still something inside of me that felt like I wasn't complete. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, you know what? I need a second degree. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, you know what? That second degree don't feel like it's it. So I got a third, a fourth, and then a fifth. Five degrees later. And I was like, this is really going to really solidify me. You know what I mean? Once I got that title of doctor, man, whoo! I'm it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel complete and I'm going to feel whole. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, everybody around me, they going to call me what? Dr. Dr. Charlene Rainey Bell. Put the whole name on it. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but to be quite honest, I use, a, I use perfectionism to try to heal and cover and mask up all the trauma that I was doing. So I was all over. I pledged AKA. I was, I was the first at everything. The first to, the first to go to college in my family, the first to pledge a sorority, the first to have my own business, the first to have my own nonprofit, the first to have this, the first to have that. And even with having all these firsts, I still felt incomplete. Incomplete. I still felt like I still didn't add up. There was still something that was empty. And that's what happens when trauma, when you don't heal trauma from the first time. You cover it up with all your little successes. Thinking like, yeah, you know, I've made it. I've arrived. When you really didn't. You go home. I look at all the degrees on the wall and my student loan payment. And I say to myself, like, dang, was it really worth it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. this to do right. all this to do a pap right. smear. All this to do a pap smear. Like, really, I could have YouTube this. <laughs> but it's a lot of times people throw themselves uh-huh. into things uh-huh. and they don't get to the root Dude, of the problem. the problem. And that's, that's with anything. Right. You don't have to just be sexually abused. Right. Uh-huh. That's with any issue that you have. That's with depression, anxiety. That's when you go home after a successful day of work, you smile in everybody's face, but then you go home and you cry at, right, night at night because you can't stand your job and you wonder, what is my purpose? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is because you don't get to the root of what the problem is. And until you get to the root of what the problem is, You'll never be able to heal. You'll never be happy. And all you'll do is pass that generational curse onto your children and onto the next relationship that you get into. So who all of y'all married? So how do the husbands deal with this? Oh, that's a good From a man. Coming from a man, right? Question, Brandy, you start off with that. I'm coming with mine. I'm impressed here. When I first met my husband, because this is my second marriage, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't tell my husband a lot of things because when we was dating, I didn't share a lot of things with him because I was ashamed. Then I thought that it probably would have ended the relationship Mm -hmm. because I didn't think he can handle Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But later on in the marriage, it came out. And him and I, we talked about it and everything, and we actually we cried together. Mm. Because when I met my husband that I'm with now, I didn't know what it felt like to have a man tell you that he loved you and he really meant, meant it. it. And wow. when have you ever heard someone tell you that they love you, and when they say that words, you can feel, feel it, it in it inside. Mm-hmm. And then when you're away from that person, you can just you get you get that good little jelly belly right. mm-hmm. in your belly or whatever the case may be. So, um, <laughs> so um, me sharing with my husband, it actually felt good because I that was the first time I can actually open up with someone other than my son and my daughter. They knew stuff because mm-hmm. they they saw stuff coming up, but as they got older. I opened up to them and my son and I, we was always close because he was my first child. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, I just always tell her, be better than me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Learn from my experience, be better than me. 
You know, I could never teach my son how to be a be man, a man. Mm -hmm. but I can, I could teach him how to treat a woman mm -hmm. and how to be somebody in life and what not to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But me sharing it with my husband was the best thing, you know, mm -hmm. and him, my husband is like my best friend and my ace boon coon. Yeah. You know? I ain't hear that word in a long time. <laughs> I haven't heard ace boon coon in a long time either. Okay. My, um, this is my second marriage and the trauma that I dealt with um, as a child, it went it spilled over into my second marriage. It did. So it spilled over into my first marriage and I didn't know. And this is how it spilled over because every time there was an argument or conflict, I don't like conflict. I, I don't like conflict, period. If there's conflict happening, I will just walk away. Mm. And every time I would get in an argument with my first husband, I'd be like, oh, well, we're just... I'm, we're getting a divorce. It was everything was quick to divorce. It was quick for me to end things. Mm -hmm. And that's what my that's what my sexual abuse had. That's what it did to me. It was easy for me to disassociate myself from things and people. That was hurting. So you could be a family member and I cut you off. I could care less. <laughs> we you you could have been my mom. You did something, all right, I won't talk to you. I'll cut you off. And that's just how I was because it was a way to protect myself. Right. Right. If I got rid of the cancer, even if it was to spite myself like, uh -huh. then I would be good and when I met my husband um, I remember I remember when I met my husband it was a real dark time I had just found out that my son was autistic my ex-husband had left me I'm back in the states from Japan I don't know what's going on every man that I met I opened up hi my name is Charlene my son is autistic and I'm a divorcee <laughs> for some odd reason that was my pickup line <laughs> and, and I really did it mainly because I was hurt and I wanted to challenge to see if people really wanted to be with yeah, me for yeah. some reason. Okay. Psychological craziness. But when I met my husband, I remember, I remember it um, like it was yesterday. Um, he came to me. We were we were both in the Navy. He was making me eggs. We met over. He was making eggs for me or whatever. But he wanted to take me out on a date. And I remember sitting down with him. And I remember the first night I dumped everything on him. Mm. All my trauma. Boom. Dumped it on him. And I dumped it on him mainly. See, I wonder if you're going to stay now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You think I'm, you, something wrong with me now, right, right? Right. And I remember he looked at me. And the first thing he said, he said, you know what, Shirley? I find so much. I see so much favor in you. Mm. He said, but I also see so much hurt. He said, and I see that God is trying to use you, but you just won't allow him in. Mm. And at that point in time in my life, I was not praying. I wasn't going to church. Mm -hmm. Don't let me listen to a gospel song. I rejected God. I rejected his word because mm -hmm. I didn't understand. If God said he loved me, how wow. how would you allow my son to be autistic? Why would you allow my husband to leave me? Why would you allow me to be, you know, molested as a child? Why would you allow my mom and my dad? Not? And I dumped all this stuff on him. And I'll never forget that he sat down and he prayed over me Jesus. for an hour and a oh. half because I wasn't strong enough to pray for myself. Oh my and God. I remember crying in his arms and he's saying I will be strong for you because you can't be strong for yourself oh mm. my god and it's something it was just something about that him it wasn't that he saw my body mm. it, it wasn't that you know what I'm saying that it was like oh I just want to hit or anything like right. that he saw he saw God in me he saw favor in me when I couldn't see, see favor you. in myself and that's why it, it was just so beautiful for me to be with him because He's the one that brought me back to Christ. I say it all the time. He brought me out of hell. Mm. He prayed me out of hell. Mm. And if it wasn't for him, I don't know where I would be in my walk. And I think it's important to make sure that you have people around you that can pray for you. That's, That's right. That's Before important. Before we have a meeting, before we have a meeting, we pray. Before we have an interview, we pray. Before we came here, we prayed. And the first thing we ask God, bring our minds in. Season our words so that our words can be effective over the airways. So that when we speak, that people will be healed. Even if you don't see us, allow our words to be seasoned. Because a lot of times, people's words aren't seasoned. You can kill people with your words. You know what I mean? So I noticed that with because of my brokenness, that night, he spoke life into a dead person. Mm. He spoke life into me. And because of that, that's why I'm here right now. I thank God for him. Dr. Damien D. Bell. My husband, Amen. doctor, too. I thank God for oh, him. Oh, yeah, both doctors. Gloria, you want to share? That house got the money rolling in there. Okay, she lives on the That's fine. Michael White. Mm -hmm. Michael White took me in. And I say took me in. Mm -hmm. I really literally say took me in because I was at a point in my life where 
um, I was suffering from deep depression mm-hmm. and we I was told years ago that I would never be married. I would always be a side piece. Mm-hmm. I would always be the I would always be the chick on the side. Um, nobody's gonna want to marry you. You're not worthy of being married. You're not marital material. material. Mm-hmm. And when I met Mike, when I met my husband, I was in the police. I was on, I was his second in command, mm-hmm. but we were not seeing each other. Mm-hmm. When I left that that police department, he and I still became friends. We were still friends. And um, <laughs> we started a relationship once I moved on. Okay. Right? This is very hard for me, y'all. Take your time. Um, Take your time. I suffered from severe depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Severe. So much to the point where they were saying that I had bipolar. Mm-hmm. And this man dealt with... Y'all don't know my story. Y'all really don't know my story. So I had... I had... I was taking prescription pills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was being prescribed these prescription pills. And I was over overindulging in them. Mm -hmm. So I became addicted to these Mm -hmm. prescription pills. And um, Mike, he stood by me. And he watched me. I used to shake on the couch like a crackhead. Mm. Because my sister told me, you got to stop taking all these drugs. This is killing you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was a walking zombie. Mm. And a lot of it was me trying to cope. Mm-hmm. Between the alcohol and the pills, I was trying to cope oh, with everything pain. because right. everything was coming mm-hmm. down on me. Yeah, right. everything was coming down mm-hmm. on me. So at that point, I was going back into the the, the trauma that I felt as a child, the trauma as I felt as an adult mm-hmm. with the molestations, mm-hmm. the, the sexual assault, everything that I was dealing with. And then here's Mike, and he's watching me as this woman, and he's saying. You're going to be all right, and I'm going to stay with you. Right. And I'm saying to myself, why would you want to stay with me? Unconditional love. Why would you want to stay with me? Mm-hmm. I'm broken. Yes. I am broken. I, 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 I don't even know which way, which direction I'm going. I am trying to heal, but I can't because I don't know how to heal. I lost God. You see what, what yes. Charlene said? Yes. I didn't have a relationship. I didn't know God. I didn't know God really knew me until I walked back into the church. And and like she said, Mike took me back into the church. Mm -hmm. He introduced me to the church home. The man in my life. So the the men were actually strong enough for bringing you guys back to... That's their role. Believer, right. That's their role. That's what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. and, and, And for me... It opened my eyes to a whole nother world because I never thought that there was going to be a man to love me for, for who you, I, was I was because mm-hmm. I felt dirty because I did those things to another male when I was younger. So it was right. like I was tainted. tainted. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't that perfect person, that perfect wife. I came tainted. I came broken, broken. I came with all my Mm -hmm. impurities laid out and I had to let him know in advance. This is what happened to me. And this is who you're you're dealing with. And he stayed. And then he later married me after the prescription pill. Because someone said that he went through all of that. I thought y'all were married. Already. Right. We were not married. Mm. And he married me after. Even after. That's that's the power of love and, and God. That's the power of love. Either finds a wife, find for good things. Ladies, we could be here all, all day night, but we do have to wrap it up. For the I Cheesecake Factory clothes. That's right. No, real quickly, um, when is the book dropping? So the book is dropping on May 17th. May 17th. And where can oh, people? I'm sorry, Sandra. <laughs> you want to tell us about your husband real quickly? You wanna okay. how how benefit how he helped um, you? Um, I've been married for 19 with him. Going through divorce, okay, and um, I we never sat down. He never want to know my past, but I asked him for his past, which he told me. And um, the difficult part was I never want to be naked in front of him. Okay. I can wow. be naked in front of my kid, right. but not him, because it's like. Someone who is not protecting Checking. me mm-hmm. is supposed to protect me and make me believe that there is a 
a journey I had me to mm-hmm. heal myself. Right. But when the person always tell you no one will accept you. Right. How ugly you are and your body and I always wear pants size 13 to mm. cover my body thinking that I'm not good enough. Mm. Even I was like a size seven, eight that time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I have to cover my body and look in the mirror all the time. Am I beautiful? Sometimes I sit inside the room and cry. Mm-hmm. And it continues. And they have to tell me what to wear mm-hmm. when we're going out or how I don't have to talk to this person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all those times I ask myself why. And we never have conversation. The only conversation we can have is when he's on top of me. Mm. Yeah. And he's never satisfied. Even you give your body to him, mm. there is never enough. So how can I deal with it until he started beating abusing more mm. then i said this need to stop yeah mm. so. wow oh. well ladies again oh. i thank you so much um the book is coming out may 17th yes where um, can everybody get this book yet so you you'll be able to find it on amazon.com you'll also find us in barnes and noble we'll be doing different book the tours promo tour. okay. Yeah. Okay. Promo tour. so we'll be all hopefully you'll be coming through philly yes. i know yes. we would love to come back yes please please follow us on facebook yes facebook's ig what is your facebook hashtag gen survivors on uh instagram on okay. ig facebook is generational survivors mm-hmm. twitter hashtag Gen survivors. Okay. So please follow us and join the movement. And you all engage with women who may hit you up on Facebook. Yes, and we questions do. Questions and all of that. Yes, right? yes, yes, we do. Okay. Perfect. Cool. Yes. Is there anything you want to leave our viewers and listeners with right now? Just anybody want to get something out that you, Brandy? Um, I just want everyone that's listening um, to know that we're sharing our stories to let you know that. If you are going through something similar to us or anything, that you are not out there alone and that you have someone to that you can open up to and to also let you know you don't have to stay. Don't stay. We encourage you to find, come up with a plan and get out because mm-hmm. life can be so much better. Mm-hmm. So take our stories and embrace them. Amen. Let them empower you. Yes. yes, empower. Let our stories be a source of empowerment for those who can't and don't have a voice yet. Mm-hmm. But we as generational survivors are here to give you that voice. And if you need help, your youth, that's what we're, we're, we're gearing. We're gearing up to do to a panel yes. mm-hmm. to ex- so that they can know how to express what's happening in the, the home. Because what happens in the home is not supposed to stay in the home. Right. We were taught that as generationally, wow, generationally as we okay. came, came yeah. about. That's what yeah. we were told. Awesome. What, sta- yeah. what happens in the home stays in the home. No. It does not stay in the home. You have a voice, and we're going to help you use it. So I just want to say um, self-care 2019. That's what it is for me. And it's about, you know, if you've gone through your healing or you're working through your healing process, you know, be gentle with yourself. Yes. Don't be hard on yourself. Yes. And just um, embrace you. So love you. So that's my. I guess the last thing I want to say is you can follow me on social media on IG at Charlene Bell 81 <laughs> or on Facebook at Charlene Rainy Bell and then find out more about me. Amen. Amen. So good. Um, Be blessed, y'all. All I can say is um, if we can do it, anyone can do it. But take courage, courage. before you come out and. That courage may not come from you, but it will come from someone sitting beside you by telling a little about yourself to that person to push you. Find something that will release you. And when I was going through my sickness, crying all the time, at the same time seeing five children, seeing five children, if I die, who will take care of them? Then I changed my story by running, lifting, boxing, okay. writing my story all the time and looking for people that will empower me. Right. Then we are here today, so let's come together yeah. and reach the rest of the voiceless. Okay. <sighs> I think this it is, is the, one of our best interviews. Yeah, this is really like it's up there. It's definitely a top five. And um, 
Very enlightening. We're going to have all your information that we'll repost too on our IG yeah, so sure. that people can definitely know what's going on. Thank you again, ladies. Again, just for telling your story, for coming to the Drop Night Show and using Thank our platform. Thank uh, you. We definitely want to have you back. You're home. This is a home now. Awesome. So, Thank whenever, you. please, please, please. And um, Sean Beasley. Stay tuned because April is going to be bananas for the Drop Night Show. We have some amazing interviews coming up. So stay locked to the Drop Night Show on Water Ice Radio. 8 p.m. Thank you guys, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Thank you. Thank you.